Today is uh, officially Veterans Day, and uh, I am grateful for every veteran that we have present here with us today, and I want to acknowledge them, and I want to teach just a little bit about how God views that service, okay? I know there's a lot of other things that can get in the way, you know, national pride and different nations, patriotism, and, and all of these human things that we associate with, with service. But there's a really important God-ordained function. Everybody say God. It's a God-ordained function, and I want to I read it here. Romans 13. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is a minister of God. Everybody say God. He is a minister of God to, uh, to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is a minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, you must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For this cause pay ye tribute also. That's called taxes, okay? <laughs> for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom is due, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth one another fulfilleth the law. Now, some people don't like these verses, but you can't help they're in there. <laughs> and it's not, these verses, it's not as though God is putting his stamp of approval on every leader that's elected. That's not what it's saying. It's not putting his stamp of approval on, on the dictators, on the evil men that come to power. But what he's saying here is that the system of government is necessary for this time. Because you're going to have people, we talked about this a little bit last week, you know, why do we lock people up? We lock people up in jail because even though it costs us a great deal, <laughs> it's more expensive if they were loose. <laughs> It would be worse if they were loose. And we could apply all of this to uh, our, our law enforcement officers, okay? That there is a God-ordained need for the armed services, a God-ordained need for law enforcement. Because you ought to have somebody protecting you from those that would do you harm. Whether they're, you know, he's saying they don't bear the sword in vain. Look, I'm so grateful that there was a generation before me that stopped Hitler. Anybody else grateful for that? That guy was just bringing evil and evil and evil. And there was a generation of men that, and women that sacrificed to put that reign to an end. That's, that's a God-ordained function. See? And, and I want to take a moment and just acknowledge, and I know who most of you are, <laughs> so I will make you stand. <laughs> if you were enlisted, whether you saw combat or not, I don't care. If you were enlisted in the service, I would like to honor you and have you stand this morning. Let's all give them a round of applause. 
Thank you. Thank you so much for what you even, you know, the heart to do that. It, it, uh, it requires a selflessness that is usually not required in society. And, it, and it's a God-ordained necessary function. I'm so glad that you guys chose to serve. Thank you. And we honor you this morning. Amen. Amen. Well, um, we're going to continue on uh, some of the things that we talked about when Nathan was here. Nathan brought such a clear message of who we've been made to be. And I want to make one other announcement, but it's, it's a relevant announcement. Uh, because the whole picture, you know you are a new creature. Everybody say new creature. You are a new creature when you get born again. The old has passed away, the new has come. And there is not a more fitting picture of that than the, um, what, what we see in Scripture of the necessity of baptism, water baptism, that when you are placed under, who you were when you're placed under died. It is, that's why we don't believe in the sprinkling, okay? <laughs> no sprinkling baptisms, no, uh-uh. No, it's not partly dead, it's whole dead. It's all in or nothing, right? You're not partly dead, we don't believe in that. So when you die, everybody say die. When you die, you go under, and who you used to be is gone, and when you're raised back up, you are a new creature. That is baptism, okay? And I wanna make uh, an opportunity uh, known to everybody, we announced this last week, but if you, um, at some point in your life, if you were baptized, but it didn't mean anything to you, or if you were too young to know what it was, I would ask that, and we're gonna make it, we're gonna have a, a baptismal service here. And anybody that wants to be baptized that has not been baptized, please let us know. If you were baptized, you ran away from the Lord and you've come back to him, I would, I would request that you get baptized again. And we would do that. And if you've made a recommitment to Christ in your later years, you need to be baptized. It's something that Jesus commanded to do. So it's a necessity in the scriptures. And I want to, um, and, and we're going to do a better job of making that more of a, a, a program thing here, okay? So that, that there's a, if there's a, somebody that needs baptism, we're going to make that. I don't, you know, we're, going to, we're not going to do it out there in the cold, okay? <laughs> it's getting too cold for that. We'll find a way, all right? But it's needed, okay? So, and um, as far as uh, youth, young adults go, um, our standard here at the church is, is 10 and up, okay? If you're less than 10, we will not baptize you, Okay? And it's just a standard that we're going to make at this point because we want it to be a conscious decision you're making, okay? But if that, if that applies to you, talk to your parents. Parents, talk to your kids. And if that's something that you want done, we would be willing to do that. Um, my, recommend, my personal recommendation is more in the teen years, 14 and things like that, because it requires a conscious decision and understanding of what it is. But if you believe they understand, then 10 and up is our ultimate rule, Okay. But uh, we're going to have a baptismal service. So I would ask that you either come to me and tell me you would like to be baptized or you have someone that's going to be baptized. And if you can't come to me or if it doesn't work in the course of the service, write your name on one of the three by five cards and place it in the offering and, and just write your name and you want, you're requesting baptism. So. But that is a picture of what it means to be born again. And there's nothing wrong with the concept of growth, all right? We're called to grow in the knowledge of God. We see that, right? But there is an 
instant change that happens when you get born again. And I believe largely the body of Christ is asleep to that reality. It is asleep to the reality that you have the power on the inside of you to put off everything that is not God anymore and to put on everything he made you to be. See, it is not as though that you're climbing the ladder. Okay, I like to watch these documentaries about different religions and different you know, cultures and things like that. And there's so many, what religion really is, it's trying to work your way towards salvation in every other way. But what God came to do is not work your way to salvation. What God came to do was give you a new identity, give you a rebirth, make you a new creature, completely new. See, because what happened at the fall, we were born into sin. Every person that is born is born into that ish, in, that, in that state. That's why God saw a need for salvation. You were not free when you were born. You were, you were given a nature by your parents who can, you can trace it all the way back to Adam who fell. And that nature locked you in sin. That's why it's natural. Everybody say natural. That's so natural to respond in a not nice way. <laughs> and and I, you know, I, I, love, I love all of my kids, but you see, it does, nobody is exempt from this. No one is exempt without consequence. If I did not employ a consequence to my children, they would be beating each other up all the time. They, you know, I want that. <laughs> Caitlin plays with a toy two days ago, and she sees brother have it. She'll come over there and just start yelling and screaming, give me my toy, that's mine. Why? Because there's something on the inside of them. It's a nature. Everybody say nature. I have never yet sat down. This is another good example. I have never yet sat my kids down and said, now, okay, now look. If you're ever in a situation where you need to lie, here's how you do it. <laughs> I know this is a foreign concept to you, okay? But let, you, know, <laughs> you make up a story to get yourself out. You know, I've never had to do that. They come up with that on their own. Where does that come from? Why is that fruit coming out so young? Because it was born. You're born that way. Why are you born fighting? Why are you born with those lusts and those impulses to, you know, we see it in, on a national scale. If they see something they want, they just go take it. It's the same thing with my kids when they're three. If they're bigger, they just go take it. And if it weren't for the parents, you know, it's just like what we read about. Got, they're doing God's work, you know. <laughs> you stop taking that person's stuff, you top, you know, that's God's work. And it's just, police are the parents of society. <laughs> and so us parents, when we were dealing with our kids, without consequence, because that nature left without a check produces chaos and destruction theft and death that nature has to be held in check and for those that don't have christ the check comes from the outside in the check comes from law and consequence why do we not go steal well because you get in more trouble for stealing you know it's not worth the risk not because you actually care right and when you see these disasters sweep through places where the hurricanes are you know and, and there's a state of lawlessness for a time and you see these people that would not go steal normally but they have freedom because there's no consequence. So they go in and raid these stores that are abandoned because of the you know, hurricanes. You know what I'm talking about. Why? Because they, the consequence is removed and so they go do what's in their nature. That is the nature that every person is born with. And the only, thank God for good parents that put a conscience in you of right and wrong. You are your kid's voice. 
And even to those kids that maybe grow up and they don't ever receive Christ, at least they got some, now I'm not saying it's a substitute at all, but if they had parents that taught them good morals and, and loved God, and even if those kids, that's why it says, you know, if you teach a, train up a child in the way he'll go, it won't depart from it. If you train them up in a, such a way that they remember the truth, they're gonna have that, that voice in their head even if they haven't been born again. And it'll eventually lead them back, amen? But you have to have that. If it's not coming from the outside in, then what reigns? It's that death nature that brings destruction. Well, thank God through Jesus Christ, you, if you have been born again, that nature is completely gone on the inside of you. You are dead with Christ and you are raised in newness of life. If you're born again, you're not who you used to be. You're who he says you are. You are made in the image of God. You're made in the image of Christ. And Nathan did such an excellent job of going through the word and, and just creating such a black and white divide. You have the authority in your life to put off sin if you want to. The only reason you don't is choice because you have been empowered to put it off. Everybody say, I, I have been empowered, empowered by the new nature to put off sin. And, and Paul said in Romans, he says, what shall we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. He says, you, you have been set free. Sin shall not have dominion over you, he said. See? So if you've been born again, that nature that rules the rest of the world, it no longer rules you. Isn't that good news? See, so now what does rule you? If that nature isn't what's ruling from the out, inside out, what rules you now from the inside out? It's the very nature of Christ. And this is where we left off. Let's go to, um, let's go to Galatians chapter five. And we dwelt on this quite a bit last week. I'll, I won't spend quite as much time on it this week. But I want to get everybody's minds tracking down the same path again. Galatians 5. He's writing to Christians. And this is his advice to a born-again believer. And these Christians in particular, it's noteworthy to mention, these Christians in particular, they were not Jews. They never knew the law. He, gave them, he got them born again, and the law in their heart was what was governing them. The law in their heart was what was setting them free from sin. And after Paul had come through, there was, there was a certain group of Jews that's historically called Judaizers. They came through, these Judaizers came through and tried to impose the Old Testament law on top of Christ and say, look, it's good that you believe in Jesus, but you also need to keep the law in order to be saved. And they were imposing all kind of man-made restrictions uh, we, we talked about last week, you know, they were, they were convincing grown adults, you know, to partake in some of those Jewish rituals. I'm being delicate, okay? <laughs> All right, you read about it. We're not going to talk about it too much. All right. Um, now, and this is, he ends his letter saying this, and, and we'll, uh, chapter 5, we'll start in 16, verse 16. <clears throat> this I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary, the one to the other so that you cannot do the things you would. 
But if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Okay, now this is everything Nathan told us we're free from. Everybody say free from. Free from. See, this is the fruit. This is the fruit of that old nature, that old Adamic nature, the death nature. See, the wages of sin is death. So if you, if you practice these things, the fruit it brings is death. But we're taught also that the wages of walking after the Spirit are life. So if you walk after the Spirit, then you're getting wages of life. If you walked after the flesh, you're bringing wages of death. And you see, I mean, it's obvious. This is, this is you know, people that live after their impulses and after the flesh and after everything that they don't restrain. It brings destruction on their life, okay? God hates... God hates seeing families broken up because, and I hate that it's mostly the guys. I'm not saying girls are exempt, but guys that can't rule themselves, breaking up families. God hates that. He hates that, okay? Now, all of these things here, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, okay? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft. Now, witchcraft is wrong. Yes, <laughs> it's wrong, okay? But this word here, witchcraft, is, if you look it up in the Greek, it's pharmakia. King James was doing their best, okay? Pharmakia, it's substance abuse, where we get pharmacy, okay? So witchcraft, yes. Substance abuse, yes, okay? Hatred, variance. Now, let me just stop here. What's, what is the what's the opposite of substance abuse? You don't have to answer, but just think. It's moderation, right? And Paul said in another place, let your moderation be known to all men, right? What is the opposite of hatred? It's love. He says we're supposed to be known for our love. If you've been set free from all of those things and it was that nature that produced all that fruit and governed your life, and now you've been born again, then the fruit that should be governing your life is the opposite, the antithesis of all of this. You can, you can read through all of these envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. And, and he's saying, look, I'm not going to go through. The flesh is always coming up with new ways to get in trouble okay <laughs> he's not making a comprehensive list here just because your addiction isn't in this list doesn't mean it's not something the holy ghost is going to talk to you about <laughs> as i have t repeatedly put myself and exposed myself about things here okay just because it's not in this list doesn't mean you're exempt from it just because it's culturally acceptable and increasingly our culture accepts all kinds of things that is not acceptable with god the wages of sin will still be death whether the culture accepts it or not Okay, God is trying to save you from yourself, but if you don't want the saving, then the wages is death, okay? But, now look at this. Now, we have been contrasting the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit, okay? The fruit of the Spirit, verse 22, is love. That's the opposite of the hate. That's the opposite of hatred. It's God-ordained love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. I want to just stop right here for a long time, and I'm, I'm just putting words to this 
For a long time, some of these attributes, they seemed out of reach to me. I don't know if that feels that way to you, but it was like love was an ideal written in the word, but it was way, way up there. That to walk in love with people around here was like, the way I saw it was climbing a ladder for 20 years to love people like Jesus loved people. Oh, peace. And the way I saw it was like, man, I just, I just have to work to get out of all of this doubt and fear and anxiety and stress, you know, patience. And I've, I've even stood up here myself and said at times, you know, I'm not a very, I have a tendency not to be very patient sometimes. That is a wrong confession because you have been made. You have been made the righteousness of God by Jesus Christ. And the more we awake to who we have been made, I'm starting to understand and not just understand, I'm starting to apply these things are me right now. And as I'm understanding these things are me right now, I'm taking steps that I thought I wasn't able to take. And I thought I wasn't able to take him because I thought I couldn't take him, but I can because he's made me who he says he's made me. He has made me love. That means if somebody offends me, I don't need to fast and pray to walk in love with them. You know, I've, when, I said last week, if, you've, if you're in the ministry, if you join, you know, you don't even have to get in the ministry. People offend people, right? It's not offense for offense. We, they don't get to dictate to you how you react to them. They, they killed Jesus and he still was loving them till the end, right? Now, it's not always a mamby-pamby kind of love, okay? <laughs> it's the kind of love that'll tell you the truth and not care whether you like him or not, all right? It's a biblical love. Don't, let's not make love what it's not, okay? But even at the end, while they were cursing him on the cross, he was praying for their salvation, he was saying, Father, forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing. He was interceding for those people that put him up there. That's love that doesn't allow people to dictate who you are. And you can put that on because you've awakened to who you've been made to be. And there have been instances throughout the week where I am believing this more than I ever believed it. And really, it's the believing it that allows you the power to do it. But if you believe that you're not who he said you are, I, this sounds simple and cliche, but it's almost like, hello, <laughs> hello, this is who you are now. And there are things that I used to think ruled me, and I'm starting to challenge them everywhere. And I say, that doesn't rule me now. That doesn't rule me now. That doesn't, I don't have to fast 40 days to get rid of that. I don't have to pray 20 hours to get rid of that. I'm, I'm free. You're free. We have died to that old man and be raised to newness of life. And these are your moral fibers right here. This is your character. This is exactly who you've been called to be. You are love. And we went through this last week. I'm just going to touch on it. Listen to last week's, okay? <clears throat> in the King James, when they translated all of this, you know, in Greek, Hebrew, there is no punctuation, no capitalization, None of that sentence structure. So it's all superimposed. And they had to do their best to understand the context in all these words that are written. So the word spirit, whether it's talking about your spirit or it's talking the Holy Spirit, in the Greek is the same word. The only way they know whether they're talking about God or you is by the context. 
in this instance here, they capitalize spirit as though it's talking about God. But the what he's talking about here really is talking about the nature of Christ that is on the inside of you, that you have been made free from sin in every way, and you have been made the fruit of your spirit. Now, you're not reigning sin to death. You're reigning righteousness to life in Jesus Christ. And that old nature of death that resided in you has been removed and the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, it, the Holy Spirit had no need of this work. You had need of this work. <laughs> the work that was required was that the love, the joy and the peace, that that image of Christ be on the inside of you. So this in context is talking about your spirit. Everybody say my spirit. It's not talking about the Holy Spirit. It's talking about that born again experience and it becomes very clear here. Look, we'll read for a bit. Verse 22, but the fruit of the spirit, your spirit, okay, now that you have been born again is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Well, no law against the Holy Ghost? No, no law against those things in your spirit now, okay? There was law against those things that used to be in your spirit, but not now, okay? And they that are Christ, well, who is Christ? Those that have received the new birth, this is talking about the work in your heart, the law written in your heart that sets you free from sin. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the spirit, have you been born again? Then let's walk it out. <laughs> let's walk it out, okay? If you live in the spirit, let us walk in the spirit. Now skip down to chapter six, um, uh, verse, uh, verse seven. And he gives you a little advice here, and I, wanna, I think we're going to expand on this advice today. Galatians 6, verse 7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Okay? Now, okay. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I just want to reiterate this, this warning that Paul gives here. Flip back to chapter 5 and look here. Look here in verse 21. Now he's in, in, in 19 through 21 we have the works of the flesh. He's writing to Christians here and he's saying, look, even though you're born again, if you let these things reign in your life habitually, if you let these things reign, if you, even though you know Christ and you're born again, if you continue to walk in sin, in chapter six, he says, God's not mocked. You know, whatever you're sowing, you're going to reap. If you're sowing sin, you're going to reap the harvest of death, okay? You can't mock God with that. And he says here in verse 21, He's listing all these things, and in 21, the second part, he says, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I've told you before in times past, and I'm telling you this again, just so you know, they which do, everybody say do, they which do such things shall not, not inherit the kingdom of God. What he's saying here is, look, what good is it if Christ came, died, got you born again, gave you the power to walk free, and that much worse, you still walked like a sinner. That much more empowered, and you still followed after these things. You have less ground to stand on than the Old Testament saints. 
you have less. Peter says it's like a dog returning to its vomit. The latter state's worse than the first. It'd been better if you'd never heard of Christ. Why? Because you were empowered by Jesus. What are you going to say when you stand up there? I, I don't know. This is, a war- this is a warning. What are you going to say when you stand up there and you say, I'm born again? And God says, I'm looking at your life. You didn't live like it. What are you going to say? Because it's going to be the cross versus you. It's going to be the empowerment because the cross did not come to cancel your debts just so you could power you to increase your debts. It came to not only cancel your debts, it came to set you free to live after righteousness. Amen. Everybody with me. They that do such things will not inherit the kingdom. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you're sowing, you're reaping, okay? So how do we... That's the flip side. That's the warning, okay? But the, the positive side is, look, you have an opportunity to sow into your spirit. How do we do that, okay? Let's go to, we get a little, um, we get a couple, uh, we actually get a lot of instruction. Uh, let's go to <clears throat> Colossians chapter 3. Colossians is such a small book. (laughs) Where is it? Colossians chapter 3. Now look at this. We'll start here in verse 1. Now what is the picture? Baptism. You die, you're raised to new life. And he says, if you then, verse 1, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Everybody say above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of this earth. Now, this, this implies something very important. When Paul said over in, in Galatians, he says, whatever you sow, you're going to reap. In that context, he was talking about if you're sowing to the flesh, you're going to reap from the flesh. If you're sowing to your spirit, you're going to reap from the spirit. And here he says, set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. In other words, he's saying you have the power You have the authority. You have your own will and you can make a choice. Everybody say choice. You can make a choice to set your affections on heavenly things or you can make a choice to set your affections on earthly things. But his argument is, why if you believe you are dead with Christ, why would you set your affections then again on those earthly things? See, because if you really reckon yourself dead, if you died, let's, let's be literal. If you died, <laughs> somebody dies, can they be moved by money? Can they be moved by lust? <laughs> can, they, uh, can they be moved by pride? Can that person, what, what, what good would it do for them to aspire to be the CEO of a Fortune 500 company? Well, you're dead. See, and all of the worldly aspirations, you are dead with Christ. 
set your affections on things above. Now, I believe Christians are called to business and all of those things, but I don't believe Christians should be succumb to any, any natural thinking or motive. And if you're truly surrendered and living in a dead state, if you're truly mortified, every one of the things you do is gonna be motivated by one thing, and that's the new nature of the life of Christ on the inside of you. It's going to be geared towards his will. It's going to be geared towards loving your brothers. It's going to be geared towards joy and peace. All of those things set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead. And see, we, we read that. It's not just talking hypothetically. It's saying you... As though you live, you need to live like you're dead. If you're living, you need to operate like you're dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we also appear with him in glory. Now look at this. He goes into the exact same message. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Here is the same fruit of the flesh we read in Galatians, right? fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, okay? Verse six, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. In the, in the which you also walked sometime when you lived in them, but now, everybody say, but now. Here's the hinge on the door. This is, you're coming out of the water, you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. But now, you also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Verse 9, he says, lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on, everybody say put on, put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. There's another verse that says, and we standing before a mirror, we're changed into that same glory, the glory of the Lord. As we look at Christ, we are transformed we're transformed not by our own effort, but because we have been born again. You have been made a new creature. And when you die in Christ, you're raised in newness of life. And this situation right here, when he says, you put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. In other words, <clears throat> that same conscience that kicks on when you're about ready to do something wrong, it tells you you're, not, you're free from that. It'll also kick on and tell you when to do something right. It'll also kick on to tell you when you're supposed to walk in love with somebody. And I've had people that offended me here in church, okay? That's, that seems to go sometimes with church. <laughs> and, I'll, and then maybe they don't go, they don't go to this, this church anymore and I'll see them out and about in town. And the love of God will kick on on the inside of me and it will convict me and say, you need to go shake that person's hand and tell them, you know, God bless you. And when I'm thinking about somebody or if I'm beating up on somebody in my brain and I'm thinking ill about that person, the whole, no, sorry, that new nature on the inside of you will kick on and say you and the Holy Ghost will also add his witness to that witness. It says you're supposed to be praying for that person, not talking bad about that person because you're love now, you're light now, you're truth now, you're joy now, amen? You can't be free from sin and also not walk in the love of God. You are those things. All right. <clears throat> we put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. 
where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ in all. Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Now, all of these commands, they're not supposed to be difficult. They're supposed to be possible now. He's not giving you instructions you can't keep. He's like, walk in love with them. Why is he able to tell you that? Can, can you go tell somebody from the world you need to walk in love with your brother? They can't do that because they don't have the power to do that because they're not made in the image of God. But these are written to you because you have the image of Christ on the inside of you and you have the power to love people because you've been made love. You have the power to go through a situation that would tear your hair out in the old life. <laughs> you would be so stressed out. I've been in those situations where we had two kids in the car. We were coming back through Kansas City. I still remember it. We did, I was so careful, right? I'm a careful dad. I, there was ice on the road, so I'm like, I'm not driving through Kansas City at 6 p.m. in the evening with ice on the road with semis going. I'm going to get off 20 miles early. Got on the road the next morning. All the ice was gone. I hit somebody else's debris, <laughs> somebody else's piece of car, blew a tire right there on a busy highway with two boys in the back seat on a Saturday. And what are you going to do? You know, I got to be back for church. <laughs> I'm stranded on the highway. There's no gas station right there. It's, it's, and you have an opportunity to react because your flesh, your flesh is still there. But what kicks on on the moment says, no, your peace, your peace. You, you don't have to snap at anybody, your peace. I can remember that being one of the first victories where I'm like, you know, I went through a lot there and I didn't, I didn't have any kind of stressful you know, breakdown where my wife had to, you know, okay, let dad have a moment. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm talking about. You're not, you know. But see, you're able to go through things like that. Paul, he and this is the picture I'm seeing. You're called to exercise this new nature. You know what exercise does? It builds it up and strengthens it. You're supposed to start testing these legs and arms because you came fully formed with all of these components. And Paul exercised his love and his joy. I mean, they, they put him in house arrest. They beat him. They, they tried to <laughs> the one place. They, they stoned him, left him for dead. And he says, I'm not done preaching in that city. Something else is motivating you at that point when you've been stoned in a city and you still want to go back in there and preach the gospel, something else is motivating you. Everybody say something else. <laughs> something else is motivating you and it's not your self-preservation. It's the love of God. And he exercised that love to such a degree that he was able to not think about his own self-preservation. That love is who you are right now when you can exercise it with people that offend you. Amen. Okay, let's go to another verse here. Let's go to... Um, so you have this power, you can set your affections on things above. How do you do that? Let's go to um, Philippians chapter 4.
It's becoming so clear to me, the way, the way most of these epistles are written, they're written like you're a new creature, <laughs> because you are. And he's giving you these things, and the reason why I used to think some of these things were so lofty and so unattainable is because I didn't believe who I was. How do you love people that treat you so bad like that? You have that power on the inside of you. Exercise it. Exercise it, okay? In Philippians chapter 4, hmm. let's see, we'll start here in verse 4. Now in Colossians, he said it this way, set your affection on things above. Look at the way he does it here, okay? Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation, everybody say moderation. moderation. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, with prayer, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, how do you set your affection on things above? Okay, look at this. Look at this instruction. He expands it here. In verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, what are you supposed to do? Think on these things. Think on these things. When I was praying this morning, I saw this line drawn from this verse to Galatians 5, where he says, those that sow to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. Those that sow to the spirit will, uh, will reap life everlasting. He's saying, he's giving an expanded version. How are you supposed to sow to that spirit man? Think on these things. And look at verse 9. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, in other words, everything I, this is this hypocrisy message, okay? Everything that Paul preached, he practiced. Everything he said, he did. Everything he told them to do, he was doing, okay? And seen in me, do, and if you do those things, the God of peace will be with you, okay? Now, this verse eight, you know how we have, <laughs> if you're shopping for a house or if you're shopping for a car, you know, if you're on Netflix, okay, they have filters. Let's take the car. You go on, you're looking for a car, you, you can set a filter. I'm looking for a sedan. I'm looking for a four-door sedan. I'm looking for a four-door red sedan. I'm looking for a four-door red sedan with under 50,000 miles. Under 50,000 miles, you know, not a salvage. And it hones in on what you're supposed to have, right? What if we took this and filtered what we think on with that? Whatsoever things are true, we're going to the movies. Let's use our filters. <laughs> Let's use our filters. Are these things true? Are they full of the truth? Are these things honest? Is it going to produce honest, an honest life? No hypocrisy. Is there justice happening in what I'm watching? 
okay? Does it, is it giving good moral? Is there justice, okay? Whatsoever things are pure. Is, is this pure? It's getting to be a pretty small list here. Pure. Everybody say pure. <laughs> Whatsoever things are lovely, okay? Whatsoever things are of a good report. I've had shows that I watch that fit most of these descriptions, but they're not of a good report. They don't agree with the word of God. There was a show, it was a medical show we used to watch. We haven't watched it in some time. Um, but it was mostly okay, mostly pure, mostly clean. But all of the reports that this kept bringing that I was, we were meditating on, the report was sickness. If you get this sickness, it's final. You're dead. You know, if you're dealing with this, we have to treat it with, it's all man's reasonings, right? So you, you, you treat it with the what you know, but if, you know, if you get this disease, you're dead. So we're sitting here meditating on this week in and week out, thinking on these things. Oh, we believe in healing. We're just kind of so in unbelief, <laughs> right? How are you going to, is that thinking on the, on, is that setting your affections on things above? Now see, this, this is a hard message because this is culture, all right? But if you're going to have results you haven't had before, you've got to do something you haven't done before. If you're going to walk in what Jesus said we could walk in, we're going to have to change how we're walking now. Because God is not withholding revival and God is not withholding his power and God has already established everything that is going to be. It's here now. So what lines up is not him but us. And what aren't we doing that Paul did? What aren't we doing that Jesus did? Could Jesus come into your house and watch the television with you? If you're going to be like Jesus, that's a question you need to answer. Right? Mm. A little quiet. <laughs> I, I'm talking to me too, but, but look, what are you setting your affections on? We want revival, but we, we can't be a friend of the world in the same breath. Use these filters. If it's a good report. Is it of a good report? Is there any virtue? If there be any praise, well, you think on these things. Oh, well, I, I know it's not true. He didn't say what you think you know. You're feeding. What are you feeding to yourself? What are you feeding? You, you are deceiving yourself. What are you feeding on? It's like that old saying, you are what you eat. <laughs> right? You are what you eat. Those things that you have both learned, received, and heard, and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. You can't feed on a diet of unbelief, of mediocrity towards sin. You can't feed on a diet of the world's thinking and reasoning and all of their limitations and everything they don't believe is possible. How are you going to walk in kingdom power, walk like a child of God, walk completely different from everybody else while still eating the same stuff as everybody else? You've got to change what you're feeding on. What do you feed on? Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Fill your mind and your heart with these things. What, let's spend some time meditating on the gifts and callings that you have. I, I mean, I've enjoyed more lately, my wife and I, instead of watching TV, what we'll do is we'll sit in home and we'll talk about what God has called us to do. We'll talk about the things that we see that's happening in the church. 
we'll read about some of the testimonies and we'll read you know, scripture and we'll read prophecies from ministries that we trust. It's sowing something different. But if you're gonna sow the world, you're gonna reap the world. The church can't afford to look like the world anymore. Well, it never can, okay? Never has. But we wanna see revival. And that means life. And life isn't death. <laughs> and you can't have life and live like you're dead. Amen? Set your affections. Set them. Let's say this before we go. I'm going to set my affections on things above. I choose to filter everything I feed on, what I watch, what I say. I'm filtering it with those requirements of the Word of God. And I'm going to live in accordance with what I claim to believe. Amen. See, and if you do that, you're really going to change. Oh, we're not going to talk about change. We're going to be changed. Because we have been changed because we're born again. You are light. Amen. All right.